welcome back to another episode. Um, first off, I will say it is good to be back. I've been on quite a hiatus from the old pod. Um, Bill and I were just talking off air. I think it's been uh, six weeks um, between work and the family got hit with a sickness and we've had a rough little go. I haven't had a chance to get on in a long time. So it's very, very good to be joining all of you. Thank you all of you for uh, joining in today. Um, it is good to be back. I just got back from Mexico. Actually, my wife and I were able to, uh, get a little, get a little excursion out for a few days. Um, but now it's back, back to back home, back to work. And it's good to be home with the, with the kids and the cat or the, <laughs> the kid and the cats. Um, but without further ado, uh, let's just hit the elephant in the room, Bill. Let's Literally talk about the, your the elephant. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, poof. So it's funny because Raph and I, just on the last one, Tuesday, we're talking about yeah, he's potentially moving. And I was like, I, I made the comment selfishly, I'd be kind of excited just because they'd be closer to me. But I don't really think that I had thought through all of the repercussions of them moving. Um, and I, I think the things that have tied me to the A's for so long have been the broadcast team. So like literally the last 20, 30 years of my life, I've been listening to Glenn and, and Ray Fossey and now Dallas Braden. And like, that's pivotal parts of my, you know, entire summer over the last 20, 30 years, like I said, and it would not surprise me at all if Glenn and Dallas do not follow the A's to Las Vegas because they are very much so rooted in the East Bay. I mean, that's that's where they've spent the last, like I said, 20, 30 years. Dallas Braden grew up in Stockton, which is not far from Oakland. So, like, there, there's that portion of it where it pains me because I know those guys are probably not going with them. Then you have all the, the beat reporters, the people that worked at the stadium that are going to be without jobs, and it doesn't probably make much sense for them to move for you know those type of positions. Maybe some of the beat writers will follow the team, but I kind of doubt that. So it almost feels like all those people have that connection to the city of Oakland and, and the team, and all that's really going to be moving with them is the players and the owner, and that's the frustrating part because – Obviously, I like the players, but the team that they've run out there with the last few years is not an actual team that you would put out there if you were will or if you were trying to put a, a good product on the field. Um, I'm sure you've seen what Matt Olson, uh, Sean Murphy are doing for the the Braves. Oh yeah, you guys are and lighting up the league. Just Chapman is at the top of the league. Yeah, I mean, you've seen so many former X or former A's that are just thriving on other teams. And, you know, if they would have just spent on the payroll, they could have kept that group together. But this was their whole goal the entire time was using the city of Oakland as leverage to get a better deal to the highest bidder. And I put that on our, our Instagram post to go with the words that Dallas Braden so eloquently said on his podcast. And, I mean, you could just feel the pain in his voice. And, like... It makes me emotional because, like, all the people that I've interacted with over the last 
I just today's actually my 11 year anniversary on Twitter. I didn't post that, but uh, I've just built a great following of of fellow A's fans. Like that's my main thing that I tweet about. That's the main thing I follow on Twitter. So, like just seeing all these people that are absolutely crushed because of this team's moving. And then you have the jackass Dave Cavill, the current pre- team president. He's going on Sirius XM to talk about how excited they are that they're moving to Las Vegas and they are absolutely keeping the name and, you know, just saying we really think that the sound of Las Vegas A's is just phenomenal and, and we love it. So, like, that guy from the start has been a snake and you could com- kind of see that as soon as they brought him on, things were not going to go well. He was definitely a, a, a public puppet for, for John Fisher, and he's by far, like we talked about, Raph and I, now that Dan Snyder is out of Washington, John Fisher is now the worst owner in, in professional sports. I mean, maybe not like English Premier League. Maybe there's some scum over there. I don't know that I haven't heard about because <laughs> I don't pay attention to that league. But in American sports, he is by far the worst owner in, in all professional sports. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's really just frustrating for me. And what I'm really hoping for is they have some kind of breakdown in, in these proceedings where officials in Las Vegas nix it at the last minute or something, and then a investor group. There's already been plenty. Joe Lacob, uh, the current owner of the Warriors, he had a deal to purchase the A's before they sold to John Fisher because Bud Selig is a prick and so, sold it to his his former college buddies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I Like I said, I'm just frustrated. I, I really hope Dave Stewart, Reggie Jackson, one of those guys that has connections to Oakland, the city, the team, can keep them there and get a, get a stadium built there in, in that town. And... I've had, I don't even know how many people have reached out to me today to to talk about the A's and what I thought about it. Many people were like, oh man, you're so lucky. Your teams are all moving close to you. And I was like, when the Raiders moved, I didn't care. Just because like my whole life, they've been trying to get a stadium deal done. Uh, And, you know, they moved back and forth between LA, Oakland several times. Uh, So that wasn't like a shock to me at all. But the A's have been in, in the city of Oakland since 1968. It was supposed to be their permanent home. Even all the the rumors mentioning of potential new stadiums, it's been in that exact area. So up until this Las Vegas, these Las Vegas talks started five years ago, or whatever it was, like it's always been centered in the city of Oakland or surrounding areas. So it's just devastating. Um, and like I told you guys earlier today, I'm, I don't think I'm following him to, to Vegas. I really don't. Um, as long as John Fisher is the owner and, and Dave Cavill is the team president, like, I'm not giving that guy any more money. Like, honestly, I, I haven't been in the last seven years probably anyway. I haven't bought any new A's gear. I told my wife she can't buy the, the boys' clothes for this, this school year at old navy or gap anymore like i have done everything that i possibly can to quit giving that guy my money and so i i don't see myself following him 
in his endeavors to, to, to make more money. So I am in open recruitment, um, free, free agent as of right now. Uh, obviously I'll be <laughs> still cheering on the boys cause a lot of the guys I, I have connections to, but got some early favorites, but anyone that wants to put up some accommodations for me to tour the stadiums, anything like that, let me know. I'm, uh, uh, I think I think I could hear your inbox filling up as we speak. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I Pittsburgh is a, an early favorite. I will say that. I so I love it. Yeah. What my, are your thoughts on them moving? I know you don't so, have the connection to them that I do, but outside well, no, of but I, but I have the connection to you. I mean, when this story first broke, I mean, I mean, my heart broke for you. You have literally bled Kelly green and yellow since I've known you. Um, I don't know. So the one glimmer of hope I have for you is it, it almost reminds me of when Mario Lemieux stepped in and saved the penguins. I mean, there is no, no one in Pittsburgh sports that has saved sports in Pittsburgh. Like he did. He, I mean, he literally, they were bankrupt. They were getting ready to go to Ohio. Like, I mean, no more penguins in Pittsburgh. And he stepped up, bought the team. The rest is history. Um, granted, there are some very big differences here. Um, you're dealing with a person in Fisher who is maybe sold his soul to the devil. I'm not sure exactly what the connection there is to <laughs> the various underworlds, but um, I don't know. There's I just I really... <laughs> I just really hope something happens. Somebody steps in. I don't know what the answer is, but I mean, I love this reverse boycott for one, because I would agree with you that there is no worse person in sports than John Fisher right now, because his tactic was to alienate the fan base. Yep. And that is absurd to me. Um, and especially this area, it's absurd to me to say that the fan base isn't there because throughout the history of sports teams in this area, you have fanatics. These are not fans. They are fanatics. Um, so I love the idea. I am hope that stadium's just blanketed and then never again, if, if that's the path that, you know, is, is moving forward. But and that's what I, I just hope something happens, dude. man. I opened this news bite last night about 11.30. We were watching, Alexis and I were watching Last of Us. We haven't finished that season one yet. So we we were watching that, and then I opened Twitter, like, before I got in the shower and all that, and I was, like, just had something telling me I need to, to get on Twitter and refresh the feed, and I see this, and I literally, my heart dropped showered I, that's all i could think about i couldn't sleep like i just kept scrolling and scrolling to see all the reactions from all the fans in the area like you said it it was devastating and dude like like you said there is some hope until there's actual shovels in the ground in las vegas uh and john fisher i mean that there is parallels there with with your uh penguins but he's also worth like two point two billion, so there's not going to be any yeah. financial need for him to sell the team. But if if for some reason, like I said, maybe Dave Stewart pivots from his Nashville project and says, 
we'll offer you, me and my investment group will offer you this much money. It's over what it's worth. We want to keep the team here. We want to work with City Oakland to get a deal done. Maybe something like that happens, but that's the only way I can see him not I moving this so. team to, to Vegas. Or like I said, if some some kind of deal falls through in, in Vegas, those are the only two options that I see for them to stay there. So obviously, like you said, the, the reverse boycott, I I feel like this was a direct slap in the face to, to this oh, movement yeah. because it was almost like a reaction. The the mayor of Oakland had her press conference to, to say what had happened, and she basically said, yeah, I found out that in the middle of negotiations that they purchased a piece of land in Las Vegas. Dave Cavill called me last night, 6 p.m. Pacific time, and said, hey, just want to give you a heads up. We, we just purchased land in Las Vegas, and we're going to move the team there. So, like, they were literally just using the city of Oakland. Every time the city of Oakland said, sorry, we can't do that, they would say, oh, okay, well, Las Vegas is going to do this. Can you guys counter that? And then the city of Oakland would, would meet their demands, and then it would just keep going and going and going. And then finally they decided they got enough free handouts from, from Las Vegas that they're going to pull the trigger. So <sighs> deep I breath. Know. I Like you said, I hope that's the last day that they show up, that the fans pack the house one last goodbye, and then they never show up again because – He's going to be paying that lease, whether or not there's fans in the in the stadium or not, for the next for this yeah. year and next year, and then after that, I mean, I would say that the lease expires. City of Oakland can just say, "Sorry, we got no interest in in you being a tenant here. Uh, we're going to demolish the Coliseum, whatever they're going to do." But there's no reason for them to let them play there, and they're going to probably end up playing in the Las Vegas Aviators AAA Stadium that holds 9,000 fans and it's going to be games being played at 9 PM. So it's actually cool enough to play. So dude, and that's like, I'm done. I'll, I'll still watch the games, but the the trips that I was planning to, to go to next year in, in Oakland, not going to happen. Maybe I'll go see them on the road or hell. Maybe, maybe I have a, I've signed a contract by then with a new team. We'll see. Oh, I love it. But well, we we can quit talking about depressing stuff. Let's talk about your Buccos. Speaking of uh, uh, new teams, you're, yes. you're more than welcome. Um, man, with some uh, some cautioned optimism, it's very early in the season. But um, my God, what a start for the Pirates! Uh, nobody, probably including themselves saw a start happening um and i will say it i think it all comes down to andrew mccutcheon coming in that building um yep i mean people know what he means to pittsburgh i don't need to dive into that but for him to have this homecoming um and you could just i mean you can see a difference in the team the young guys are i mean they have leadership in the locker room and that's one of the things that we lacked the veterans we brought in tended to be, you know, you know, one year, one mil contracts, tail end of the career. I mean, of course, it's on the tail end of Kutch's career, but he was still performing um, and he's performed at a high level his whole career. So he's coming in. A, he knows the city. B, he's played at an elite level in this league. He know, I mean, he had an MVP season. Um, he 
he has just lit a fire under this team. Um, like as an example, when O'Neill Cruz went down and I mean, we could talk about that a little bit, but um, there was no, there was no bump in the road. Next man up. We've just been hitting dingers and just the pitching has been amazing. Um, we'll dive into that in a little bit, but I mean, you, you typed this out ahead of time and you couldn't have said it any, any better, but he has been everything that I could have wanted and more. Um, I, I mean, the coaching feels more inspired. The play feels more inspired. Um, and with that being said, Bill knows how excited I am about this. We've talked about it, but we're one of the teams getting our city connects um, here in April. So that Jersey's about to drop. It just feels like fate. The season that Kutch comes back, uh, we get the city connect Jersey. There may not be a player that is connected with the city like him, you know, since obviously the, the Clementes and, and things like that. He, he's the more, he's the modern day connection, especially for the young kids or even, I mean, people our age in the Pittsburgh area or pirates fans. Um, this was a big deal for, for Buccos. Um, and the feel good side of it has, you know, we're signing him to a contract. He's coming home. For me, that's completely dissipated. I mean, that is amazing, but he is playing at an amazing level. He's not just inspiring young men, he's leading young men. Um, I mean, his play has been ridiculous through these first, uh, what are we at now? 20 games, I think. I think we're 13 and seven now. Um, one and a half out of first, by the way, for the record. Um, Dude, I'm so excited for you guys, especially like, obviously, uh, I'm, just I'm trying not to get like, days, but. I think we're three and 14 now. So a little bit opposite. I'm I'm, I'm trying not to get super like, I'm trying not to be jumping out of my skin, but it's happening regardless. Um, And that's it. I mean, you got guys like, uh, you know, Kutch obviously came in and we brought in a couple other veterans who've been playing really well. Um, But the young guys, Swinski, Connor, Joe, all these guys are, I mean, they're knocking them out of the park. And as much as I miss O'Neill Cruz already because he had that pop, he had that electric play at shortstop, we haven't missed a step. And that's huge because going down the stretch, these are the kind of things you have to overcome to, I mean, I hate, I almost don't want to jinx myself using the words chasing a pennant, but <laughs> you know, these are the things that you have to do as a team to be successful. Um, so I'm super pumped about that. Um Brian Hayes, I mean, I don't know if you saw his double play today. It's what he does. I mean, it's as far as defensive side of the game, he's unreal. Um, I personally think he's better than uh, Arenado, but he'll never get the votes. Um, the pitching is the one thing that I think is going to decide things. Uh, um, Bednar is still just lights out. I absolutely love that man. Um I mean, obviously being a Pittsburgh boy and everything, him coming in closing games, walking out to Renegade. I mean, there's nothing better. Um, but our started pitching has been amazing. Um, we haven't had a start like this in years. It'll be interesting to see kind of how that kind of, you know, how how that lasts going down further into the season. And if our pitching will hold up, um, hell, maybe we make a move and bring in some more pitching. I don't know. Um man, we could do something special this season and that would be fantastic. Um, I don't know. Overall, I just, I'm, it's, they're running on all cylinders right now. We won again tonight, four, three against the reds. That's four in a row. 
Um, like I said, I think we're 13 and seven. Hell, we'd be, um, how we'd be, I think, in second place in the AL with that record. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we're one and a half back on the, that's the only bad thing is, so we've, we've come out swinging, but um, I thought Milwaukee would stumble more this season. And granted, it's early, a lot can shake out. But Milwaukee came out. They came out and did the same thing with a lot of young guys. So they got one and a half games on us. I hate even counting games this early in the season. But, um, you know, you start, there's a lot of excitement. It's electric. Um, they, they had Steve Blass on the, um, you know, in the, in the booth commentating on the game today. Um, and so having him there, and he even made the comment that he hasn't felt that place that electric. Um, you know, since his time playing back with Clemente and things like that. So it was, it's very special to see this happening again. Um, I don't know if you saw when Kutch called for the um, blackout for our first home game. Yep. Yep. I That's that stadium hasn't been that full since the playoffs. I mean, that's been God, way years? too long. Um, Eight years. God, man. Yeah. Either way, I mean that you don't see that at those games. There wasn't. You could maybe see a few empty seats up in the in the nosebleeds, and that was it. And I can't remember the last time I saw a game like that, especially, you know, a random middle of the week game, whatever. I don't even. Remember. Um, but that's the difference now is the fan bases, and this was a hard fan base to get going. I mean, oh for sure, bringing, bring, bringing in McCutcheon was huge. The funny thing is, I still see on our Twitter page, we, we follow quite a bit of pirates fans and there's still some of them that are like, well, last time, right before we traded Kutch, we were 14 and five or something like that. And <laughs> yeah. so we're, we're still not convinced that they're not going to ship out the entire team come July, but so. I will say, so again, you know, guarded optimism, um, old nutting isn't too far from a John Fisher, um, I will say that some things feel different. Um, again, I talked about the veterans we went after. They weren't, you know, we're bringing them in cause we can get them cheap and we need to fill a spot veterans. They're contributing. They are, I mean, they're leading to wins. Um, the one thing that is still the glaring spot is obviously the Brian Reynolds deal. Um, it's very frustrating for me. They need to just, bite the bullet for the fan base and just pay the man, give him what he wants. Having him here with this young group hitting the way, he, I mean, he was leading the league in homers through the first, whatever amount of games he came out swinging. The man knows he's playing for, you know, the foreseeable future of his career. Let's keep him in a bucko uniform. He's amazing in the outfield. He's, he's a, our best offensive weapon consistently. Um, so I'm hoping that works out. I really want to see him stay, but I wish the deal would have been done before we started the season. For sure. But here we are. Um, outside looking in, it seems that he's kind of softened his stance on wanting yeah. out. So I think probably well, winning start, helps. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say having this start and seeing that you know you guys are actually building something here, it makes it a lot easier to to stick around if that's the case where last year at the end of the year, I, I would say there was some optimism, but overall for the entire season, you guys still weren't, 
you know, a good team. So, well, and a part of me wants it to happen so bad just because of there's still people that are Brian Reynolds detractors just because he was part of the Andrew McCutcheon deal. Yep. So to have them in the same outfield being successful together is just like one of them, like twisting the knife to just the super annoying fans that drive me nuts because they'll never be pleased. Um, I would love to see them be successful together. Um, and yeah. be almost kind of like a healing of wounds for this fan base to have both of them in the same starting lineup and, you know, us putting together wins would be just, Oh man, something special. For I sure. could just ramble about these boys all day right now. No, I, <laughs> I'm super excited about it too. Like I haven't watched them a ton, but I, I did get to see, I think I saw two of the three games in their Boston series just because oh, they man. were on and, and I was excited to watch baseball. Obviously, that was the, that was the turning point was that Boston series when yep. I knew it wasn't just because I mean, we started like 500 last season. We were winning games early on, whatever. Um, I mean, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'll let you finish your thought. But that was the turning point for me when we stuck it to Boston. I was like, all right. <laughs> no, okay. That's when I really started to get excited because I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head, but your center fielder made an absolute sweet grab. The Asian kid. I can't remember oh, his name. Uh, oh, God damn it. Anyway, while you're looking up his name or recalling his name, I said, watching him make that play in the outfield, then he goes up the next inning and and makes this slashing attempt while he's running towards first and hits one, pokes one over into right field. I was like, dude, this kid reminds me so much of Ichiro. Like, not, not to hype him up like that, but I really wouldn't be surprised to see him that have that kind of ceiling because how good he looks in the outfield plus if he can put it together at bat with that running head start sort of slash swing that that Ichiro did man that would be a a great addition you got Brian Reynolds you got Kutch out there that that's a pretty solid outfield so um oh dude I'll be so pumped yeah but anyway while you're looking that up I just, it's I gonna drive to me nuts. Like I'm trying to call him everybody else's name. We have a, and it's super awesome because we actually have two um, Korean-born players, and like one of them, it's, the the, it's Ju- it's, it's Juwon Bay. God yeah, Juwon Bay. I couldn't um, figure out how to say his name, so I didn't want to butcher it. But he, uh, you're good. Um, but yeah, he's he's looked up to, uh, and I can't even think of his name. He's looked up to him his whole he career. So now he's on the same team. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm sure. I and that so now time. he's no, actually that was pretty spot on, <laughs> but, um, for him to be learning under him is awesome, but sorry, continue your, your thought about Boston, I guess. No, I, I pretty much just wanted to say that that's, that's when I got to watch you guys play and I was kind of hooked from then on just like, man, these, this is a young, exciting team. And obviously yeah. when, when you have to compare what I've been watching on, on my team, it's, it's a lot more exciting baseball to watch because at least you guys are competitive and and we have not been but i guess one last thought well are you done with your pirate stuff um yeah i guess the one last little tidbit i'd like to throw out is the one i'm actually super excited about everything else going on with the team but mitch keller is finally coming into his own 
Uh, Mitch Keller and uh, Luis Oviedo have been pitching lights out. There are two best pitchers, um, and they're proving it. The rest of the rotation, a little bit of struggles. Ronzi finally had a good, uh, Contreras finally had a good game. Had a bit of a rough start with ERA, um, but the uh, the boys are killing it. Yeah. So old, hopefully the pitching can Mountain. hold up. He, he hasn't been too good so far, but I know having that guy, even if he's not pitching well, just having him as a resource for the younger guys coming up, he'll be an absolute stud, and I'm sure he'll turn things around. I mean, right now he's, what, one and two with a five-plus ERA, but small sample size. He usually, like, he started pretty slow with the A's, too, back when we brought him on. I think it was 2016, something like that. Um. But yeah, no, the last thing I want to say Major League Baseball wise was just I shared a couple things on the Instagram page um, about Oakland. Obviously, one of them was Dallas Braden and and him talking about what that city has meant and and all that. But then I also shared uh, back from 2014, Grant Balfour was coming in to, to close out one of our games and there literally was not an empty seat in that stadium. All of the fans were standing on their feet doing the Balfrage. The You could just feel the electricity in that clip. And that is what this fan base is. That is what that fan, that, that fan base has always been until John Fisher did everything that he possibly could to ostracize that fan base and make them not want to show up because they did not want to put money in his pocket. So... If, if he does have one lasting legacy, John Fisher, as a sports owner, I hope you guys see what what they left behind in Oakland because it's not going to be the same in, in Las Vegas, and I can guarantee that. No. There's not going to be even close. the team. Like, no one in Oakland's going to follow that team to Las Vegas. No. Maybe You'll they'll share them afar. It's going to be, it's gonna be yeah, away. It's, away it's going to be just like the Raiders. Like, Yep. Half the people that are coming to those Not games are people stadium. that are just making a trip out of it. So it's going to be half visitor fans or maybe not even half visitor fans. Might just be people that are like, hey, there's baseball in town. Let's go see a game. Like yeah, not even absolutely. really have a rooting interest. So it's just, he, like you said, he made, he made a deal with the devil. And I mean, I really hope he fails in this move. I don't think it will just because Vegas – well, I don't know, man. Yeah. The way that they've made rule changes, I think it sped up the game and brought in a lot more casual fans. In fact, several yeah, of my friends have messaged me and said, you know, hey, I really like what they did in baseball. So, yeah. Anyway, I just had to say that. Watch the clips if you follow us on Instagram. If you don't, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram. We always post stuff on there. So just watch those humor me and uh <laughs> just do it <laughs> yeah. bill needs the support right now okay yes sir. whoever's listening you go you go you go give him a shoulder to cry on right now yes i need it for sure i told my uh, wife who's like just make me not feel depressed today i don't i don't know what i can do because oh, i literally am just like all day have just been thinking about it like at work everything just man what a depressing, Brutal. depressing thing. And the worst part is they announced this as the A's are leaving town on a oh, yeah. seven-day seven road trip. 
no game today. So I'm just like wallowing in your just yep. depression. Yep. 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 So anyway, we'll move on from that. I've just got a couple notes about my warriors that are starting. Actually looks like they probably started four minutes ago. Um, I don't know if you watched game one, two. So obviously they didn't go the way we wanted to, uh, at the end, no. eight minutes left in, in game two, Demonis bonus goes down to his back, grabs Draymond Green's ankle, and so Draymond kicks his arms off and then steps on him, waltzes up the court. Uh, Sabonis gets technical. Draymond gets a, a flagrant two, gets kicked out of the game, misses the final eight minutes, probably deciding factor in that game um, that we didn't have his defense on the court, lose by three. So he's already been punished, missed the last eight minutes of that game. Warriors are now down 0-2, and then the commissioner, or at least the league office, decides that uh, Draymond's got to miss game three because of what they said was the action, the conduct towards the crowd after the action, and then his previous history. So I want your take on this. I know you're not a Draymond fan, but let's hear it because I'm going to air it out after after you give your oh, yeah. opinion. Oh, yeah, I'll make it abundantly clear. I don't know that there's anyone that despises Draymond Green more than I do. There's no one on this planet that wants more horrible things to happen to that man than me. With that being said, this is total bullshit. Um, A, for the way he went down, I, he damn near took Clay down, um, then does whatever he's trying to do with Draymond's ankle. Um I mean, you put that in an NFL game, somebody trying to do say that to a quarterback, you're going to have a 350-pound lineman come elbow drop your ass because it's just uncalled for. Um, I don't know that I'm even necessarily against the suspension, whatever, decide what you're going to do, but to not also do that to the other party um, is probably the part that bugs me the most. And then, like you said, I would make the argument the damage was done it dictated a huge part of that game to now do it for another game while also not matching it on the other side. I don't know if matching it's the right term. Cause I don't think it's equal loss regardless, but in a nutshell, as much as I hate Draymond green and would love to say, yes, I'm super pumped about this. Um, absolutely not. This is horrible. Um, I think it's horribly handled by, both, I mean, the refs at game time, horribly handled by Kamish. Um, and I think the previous history thing really bothers me because you take some of the big personalities in the league throughout the years. If you were going to use previous history to dictate into this, you would have people that would have missed full seasons. And these yep. are some household names I'm talking about, like gone. So for that to now be, like I said, I hate him. I hate him. I love to hate him. But this is uncalled for. And it's really, it's just a huge knock to the Warriors. Um, yeah. I don't know. It just, I mean, it's unfortunate. I want, I want Draymond to hang himself. I don't want somebody else to do it for him. <laughs> not not mean, literally. 
but not literally to be clear before anybody freaks out um <laughs> i just mean i want him to put his foot Step in his mouth his that's a little safer yes. term <laughs> so it is um as as the chat bubble starts popping up just kidding yeah um, um i don't know it just sucks because i hate to see series just we always talk about this um when it comes to playoff basketball especially you hate seeing dumb things like injuries dictate you know the flow of a playoff you hate seeing bogus suspensions like this if they're earned and like i mean really earned tear it up man i don't care but i don't know i just feel like it was knee-jerk reaction and i mean it's probably going to dictate the series let's be honest yeah i mean i hate to call it in the bag but it it already had its effect on the series but if you if you follow like people that cover the nba that are not paid by the nba (laughs) all big difference yeah all playoff long you've just seen these refs are atrocious. These refs are horrible. I can't believe this. And that really the things that they were letting the Kings get away with in game one and, and parts of game two, it was kind of laughable. So it almost seemed like, I don't want to say that this series was already decided before it even started, but it, it definitely seemed like a lot of the calls were going pretty one way. So to have this, them go to review on this, and the fact that Sabonis instigated this whole interaction by by grabbing his ankle and, and shark rolling in there, um, that was the part that pissed me off the most. Because if Sabonis doesn't touch him, he runs up the court, no problem, nothing happens. So the fact that previous history even came into this is absolute bullshit. Like, if there was something that happened in this series that got Draymond a technical foul or, or thrown out of a game because of actions towards Demonis Sabonis, I'd be all for that. I would have no issue at all with them suspending him. Yeah, absolutely. But previous history that they're talking about is previous technical fouls in regular season games. They're talking about the suspension from when he kicked LeBron James or whoever it was in the nuts back in 2015 or whatever. They're bringing yeah, all this yeah. stuff that has no bearing on this situation at all they're bringing that up and they're they're using that as justification for this this for this suspension and i think the thing that sealed it for draymond was how he acted while they were going to review and instigating the fans and all that and commissioner adam silver was in the stands at that game so of course he saw all this firsthand and i'm sure he said we're suspending him right there because oh, yeah. of what he was doing with the fans, which obviously he should he should not get the fans involved like that. He shouldn't be interacting with the fans like that. He should just be sitting there. But that's not Draymond. Draymond's been outspoken. He's been the way that he's been all his career. And the Warriors don't make excuses for him. They say, hey, he's got that chip, and that's what makes him so great. Obviously, he needs to reel it in sometimes, but unfortunately, yeah. he didn't, and you can't you know you can't review the suspension or appeal it or anything like that so it's already done we're not going to be with we're not going to be able to play with him and in fact right before the game started we just learned that uh gary payton second is also going to be out this game so they're going to be playing pretty shorthanded in a a, i don't want to say must win because ultimately you could come back 
it and win four straight, but it's not very likely. I don't know if it's ever happened in NBA history, and if it has, it probably hasn't more than once or twice. So um, this is pretty much a must-win game at home and missing two of your your best players, especially on the defensive side of the basketball. It's going to be a tall order. So I wasn't panicking about this series because had Clay and Wiggins, or not Clay, sorry, Steph, at the very last shot of the game, he could have tied it, made it 126-126 and sent it into overtime. He doesn't ever miss that shot. Wiggins had a wide open three in the corner with like 30 seconds left that would have put the, the Warriors in the lead. Then they had to start fouling because he missed it. They had opportunities there even without Draymond to win that game. So that's why I was like confident going into this game, we could turn this around, win the next three, and then take one or two in Sacramento and, and be fine. I still had the Warriors in seven, and now with uh, Draymond out, Gary Payton the second out in this game three, like if they win this game, I, I'd say they're still in the series, but if they lose tonight, I mean, I don't know they what else you can say, home. but the NBA decided it with, with a, a stupid suspension, in my opinion. So I would agree. That. That's all I have to say other than there's been a lot of injuries in playoffs and that sucks because you're seeing you're not seeing the best players. You got uh John Morant got hurt. Uh Giannis got hurt. I mean there's been injuries all over the court, so that's not great. Did you moment. catch Go ahead. Did you catch the Magic game? Just kidding. There wasn't one. But <laughs> you did have that rookie Dan of the year. Carrow. Yes, sir. I was just going to say, oh, Mr. Banchero got her, which I mean, I don't think it was even a competition, but um, no. should have been so a, unanimous, but us. the one re- yeah. the one beat writer for the jazz voted for for his guy. So weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's we we'll go magic. Maybe Thanks for looking up. Yeah, maybe next Woo-hoo! year. Uh, real quick, we'll touch on you haven't been on to talk about your uh, Steelers for any of their signings, uh, draft plans, anything like that. So hit yours real quick, and then I'm just going to say who I think the Raiders are going to draft at number seven, and then I'll be done. I'll uh, Perfect. I will make it pretty short and sweet. Um, this might be one of the most impressive offseasons I've ever seen the Steelers put together. Um, granted, it's just the offseason, but we've already retooled the offensive line. Um, that that guard from the Eagles, his name escapes me right now. Um, he was like the kid, number right? one. Yeah, he was the number one free agent I wanted. And um, like for me, it was like a pipe dream. I never in a million years thought we would even make that happen. Um, well, I give props to the new GM, the man's work in magic. Um, offensive line's basically retooled. I still think one of the first two picks, our first two picks, in my opinion, are going to be cornerback an offensive tackle, whether that be, you know, corner, then tackle or tackle, then corner. Um, But super pumped about that. Uh, And then we made the, we traded a seventh round pick, swapped seventh round picks and brought in Allen Robinson, which I mean, the crazy internet noise aside, people are stupid. This was such a good pickup. And honestly, for both sides, um, he wasn't what they thought he would be. Um, I think when they moved him over there, it didn't really pan out as well. You know, they get to move up a little bit uh, in the seventh round. We get a, another wide receiver to 
really, really strengthen that group. Um, so now we have Deontay, we have George Pickens. We still have Calvin Austin who didn't play last year. Um, his rookie would have been his rookie season, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, interested to see what he can do. And then now you put Allen Robinson there, plus our, our tight ends and obviously our running back um, room. I'm super excited. So awesome trade. All of our moves have been amazing. I'm really excited to see what we do in the draft. And then a fun little tidbit, uh, Kenny Pickett is rolling into the stadium, um, 22 pounds heavier this season, put on a little bit of mass. Um, I don't know. We're going to see. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty optimistic about what he's going to bring to the table this year. And I would like to say one thing that I think is hilarious because anyone who listened last year got to see my opinion on what they were saying about the quarterback class uh, last season and how just empty I think most of those statements are in general every season, not just because, you know, we picked up Kenny and I'm a big fan, but um, they're now saying that Bryce is the only quarterback out of this class that is better than Kenny Pickett. So (laughs) for that statement to come out a year later after he's, giving people something to believe in is just hilarious to me because that is how fickle and ridiculous off-season reporting can be. Um, is that true? Who knows? I mean, there could be some random Tom Brady in this draft who just, you know, shuts everybody down, whatever. Your Brock Purdy, we'll see what that turns into for more than a season. Um, just waiting for... It's, it's just funny. Chat. What about Brock Purdy? <laughs> what about Brock Purdy? <laughs> Is he even going to start this year? Do we even know? We um, don't know. Anyways. He actually said he doesn't know if he's going to play this year. I but. know. Um, I just It just makes me laugh. Off-season mumbo-jumbo, the way they talk about draft classes is just hilarious to me. It'll, it will always be. You never know what someone will translate to the NFL level. There are people that struggled all through college that hit the NFL level and just get it. There are people who excelled in college every second of every day, and then they show up and they don't last three seasons. Um, so just my little tidbit and how stupid people are. <laughs> Go Cam, yep. by the way. Um, and I will just add this little nugget that any of the uh... – <laughs> there's Raph saying. I was thinking of mentioning oh, him. <laughs> he'll play. He's going to And he'll play. play. Okay. But anyway, the – Related to the Steelers, any of the the receivers that they are bringing in for pre-draft visits and things like that, those are the wide receivers that other teams should target because apparently Mike Tomlin knows what to look for in a wide receiver because that guy. You know, I've heard that a few times. (laughs) Yeah, but he could have had the greatest wide receiver to ever play the game had he not gone absolute batshit crazy. So there's that. Randy oh, Moss. yeah, I started it. <laughs> Antonio Brown. Oh, okay. He was set to do magical things until he was. magical but... things did not happen. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Something happened to that man's head. Isaac Sumalo is the, the guard you guys Thank signed. You. I'm um, so pumped about that, dude. That you guys are having a real good offseason. Can't wait to see what you guys I'm do. Blown away. Oh, uh, damn it. The linebacker from the Redskins we picked up, too. Um, Oh man, I am white super dude, pumped right? about him. Because fu- <laughs> yes, white dude. Um, we we finally got rid of Devin Bush, which 
he already went to he went to Seattle and is already running his mouth. Speaking which of which, I can't stand him. We got your uh, your boy oh. Robert Spillane. Oh yeah, I've seen that. I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's a good he's a good journeyman linebacker. He'll do good for you. Um, he's good but with that running. being said, that's that's. I wish I could remember this kid's name from uh, Washington. But I know who you're talking um, about. Middlebrooks or his, something like that. His, no, that's not I it. I can't remember. His stat block, though, for last season, his stats alone were better than all of my linebacking core combined last season. I'm pulling it up right now. I just had the list up. You guys got Keanu Neal. That would be a good signing. Oh, yeah. Um, Cole Holcomb. There we go. Thank you, Holcomb. Um, yeah, his, right. his stat line was better than my entire linebacking core last year. He's high. My, my linebacking core last year had zero tackles for loss, zero fumbles, uh, or zero, uh, you know, cause fumbles, zero intercept, zero impact in any game is basically what I'm trying to get at. So him coming in the door, I think we are already an improvement. And for, for Pittsburgh to have a subpar linebacking core is almost sacrilegious. Yes, 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 yes. So looking forward to that. I think we'll still pick up one in the draft, but we'll see what happens. But that's all I got. I'm done. Okay. Shut me up. Well, I've already talked about my Raiders quite a bit uh, in the last few ep- episodes. So uh, I will say I think two things are, are possibly happening. Um, I think we're going to target cornerback at number seven. Um, I think Bryce Young's going number one overall to the Panthers, which is – Shocking to me. I thought for sure that they were going to take C.J. Stroud, but since he canceled all his remaining uh, pre-draft visits, I think it's probably a good sign that he knows he's going number one overall. I've heard from multiple people that I follow and trust that the Texans are not sold on C.J. Stroud and will not take him at number two, and they'll take the best player available at number two on the defensive side or trade back trade and then i've also heard the raiders are very much in talks with the cardinals to move up to number three if that does happen to take cj stroud so i would say if cj stroud still oh kyle dropped there you go he's back um (laughs) anyway i've heard almost made it the whole episode (laughs) It's a very strong possibility that the Raiders would move up to take C.J. Stroud and only C.J. Stroud if if he's still there Crazy. at number three. Uh, I don't know if, that I necessarily support that just because of the draft compensation they'd have to give up in the future and potentially in this draft. Um, but I, I would love to have C.J. Stroud. It just doesn't make a ton of sense for this year, and I don't know that this year's the, the goal uh, for them to start winning just because it's been kind of telling with what the moves they've made in, in the trades. And there's still quite the possibility that Renfro gets dealt. Um, so we'll see what happens with all that. It would make me so happy if we did end up trading Renfro, if we traded him to the Cardinals for Buda Baker and that number three overall pick. <laughs> We're getting linked to Buda right now too. Are you? Well, you don't need him. You got Keanu Neal and Fitzpatrick. Well. Oh, man. It's fine. I hit my limit, Uh, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, hit your limit on streaming time. So 
Uh, with that, I, I don't really have anything else to say. Kyle, you got anything? No, just it's good to be back, man. Been a long hiatus and hopefully done with that. Yeah. Well, good to talk to you. Glad we got a, a shorter one in. Seems like every time we talk, it's an hour and a half. So this was about 50 yeah, minutes. Well. So my parting words will be, Ace fans, I'm hurting right there with you. Go Warriors. And thank you for tuning in. <laughs>